We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody. Welcome in to your Friday, February 24th episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. And if it's Friday, it's the offseason, you know that that means we're having franchise mode, which is a, listen, it's a really fun show uh, that, that's going to be all over the map. It has been a little bit all over the map so far. Um, we're going to be joined by Andrew Spade here in just a second. If you listened earlier this week, I reposted the Twitch show, Ask the OBR on Tuesday, which I did with Andrew, which was a ton of fun. You're going to get a double dip of Andrew this week. So if you're an Andrew fan, you're, you're set to be delighted. If you're anti-Andrew, then I hope you already downloaded this podcast if you're anti-Andrew and you're leaving us. But uh, we have Andrew. I'm excited about the show. We got we, we don't have a ton of time on this one, which that's OK, though. We have we're going to start with something Browns related, which I do think we need to hit on. And then a league wide. There's really one league wide popular topic right now that we have to hit on. And that's Lamar Jackson. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So, Andrew, as we start, what's going on for the Browns is it got crazy this week out of nowhere. This decision to fire Preef, um, a special teams coordinator, which we had all sort of mentally moved on from that happening when it didn't happen in January. I don't know if it's tied to there, there's a lot of specifics we'll never get because we know Kevin we will never get them. Uh, it'll be asked, you know, why wasn't this decision made in January? And he'll give some sugar coated answer, which, again, he doesn't have to answer it. It's fine. It doesn't bother me that he doesn't answer it, but he's not going to. But the question is, did he did? I didn't hear of prefer interviewing anywhere else. Now that doesn't mean it gets publicized. Not all coaches run to insiders and that stuff leaks. The vibe was that the Browns were giving him a chance to take another opportunity elsewhere instead of outright firing him early slash on top of that, the Browns were waiting to figure out the availability of a lot of guys, particularly the guy who, as we know, was reportedly offered and accepted the job of Ventrone. Uh, Raven Trone is, um, you know, taking the job. he, is in a really weird situation with Indy the same way the Arizona situation with Matt Burke, the defensive line coach, who's now the offensive coordinator over in Houston. They blocked his interview in Cleveland. Moral of the story is this. I think you can put some of this on the weird hiring process, very late hiring process of two organizations with coaches directly tied to Jim Schwartz 
and some of what Stefanski was looking for in, in, in a special teams coordinator between Indy and Arizona. But also, this is this is tied to, um, at least in, in my opinion, they were doing right by Prefer. So I guess my question is, do you think it was just waiting for somebody to open like, like a, a Ventrone to not get the vote of confidence from his next coach? Or do you think that they were doing right by pre? Because that's what people think. I guess it, w- it would be really weird, Andrew, in my opinion, having known the relationship Prefer had with Kevin, if he just kept telling him he was going to keep this job. And then in, I don't know, what is today's date, God? I don't know where we're at in the month of February 24th. Like, I guess I'm saying it would be really weird to rip the rug out from him when he doesn't have a chance to join some new staff, right? You, you yeah. kind of smell what I'm stepping in. I think that this they had to have some understanding a lot earlier than what's been done here, I would think, right? Or am I off on that? It doesn't make any sense. And I think either answer is plausible, right? That they were trying to do right by him and help him see if he could find another job and he failed. Um, and it also could be that they were waiting on Ventrone and then really did just kick Prefer out the door the moment they had somebody better. Um, neither one of those is particularly convincing, but I, you know, I think those are kind of the two options. Um, but it really doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, it was, it's, it's been over six weeks since they fired Joe Woods. So to go s- six weeks in the off season between firing coordinators is, is probably some sort of a record, right? If you're, if you're going to move on from a guy, you move on from a guy like they did with Joe Woods. I, I don't see the benefit of waiting six weeks to do it. And so, you know, the, the, the overall overwhelming feeling is just, oh, okay. I didn't know they were even considering that. And, uh, no, we had no inkling. Right. And, and, and then to, to then turn around and, you know, they haven't confirmed it, but that, you know, basically reported that, you know, already that it's a done deal that Ventrone is coming and it's like a 48 hour turnaround tells you that it, that is the part that then to me starts to really indicate that it was connected specifically to the fact that they had a, an opportunity to make a clear upgrade. And then I think, you know, it's also been reported that, that um, Ventrone is also getting the title of assistant head coach, which I think, you know, speaks to the level of um, interest that the Browns have in him as part of the staff. So, um, you know, I, I think that makes me think that it is more a situation where they didn't think that they were going to have a chance to upgrade this offseason, and then they saw a chance for what they see as a clear upgrade, and they took it. Yeah, I think it just would be I, – I would love to know that conversation because if they really like Ventron, they it's not like they couldn't have interviewed the other two, Leon Washington and then um, uh, – whose name is escaping me? The Giants Blevins, uh, assistant special teams. Um, yeah, Blevins. It's not like they couldn't have interviewed those two guys earlier, right? right? So it's not like they couldn't have fired Pre for back when they fired Woods and interviewed those two guys and got the ball rolling. Those were two upgrades. So – it was a formality and a part of why I hate the NFL and the Rooney rule and why it's sometimes yes. it's just so phony. Yes. And like, but the point is it's gotta be really weird. Like is Kevin saying to Preef, Hey man, we like this guy that's floating in limbo in Indy. If we can't get him, we're going to keep you because right. what other reason do you have to wait this long? And it's like, you can't just, if they did that, that's pretty dirty. Even the guy like Prefu, I think, is lucky to be the special teams coordinator. And obviously, there's a long history of his NFL and comments and stuff like that. But like the the thing that's it just would be really weird to rip the rug out from him and say, hey, man, we're actually going to fire you on February 23rd. Good luck. Considering the backdated relationship that those guys have all had. 
I don't know. It's really not. We're not going to solve. We're not going to CSI this thing and figure <laughs> it out. It just all seems really weird. Um, it is. It is weird. The question, it's very weird. The, the que- It's very weird. And like, I just, I just would like to know answers that we won't get. Like, was prefer yeah. interviewing at other yeah. places? Like things like yeah. that, we won't know. But, um, the question at the core of this is, as Ventrone and Schwartz are now entrenched is people are giving the Browns the high five off season, right? And they deserve kudos. What did you and I say all? And again, I think you and I were pretty vocal about this one before I heard a ton of people giving Mm -hmm. reasons for why. I mean, it was pretty like bi-week type of vocal here. Oh, absolutely. Not saying we had the revolutionary idea of firing people. You look at Twitter, (laughs) social, everyone wants everyone fired. But the coordination of what we thought of Kevin Stefanski and what we had to see as tangible off-season decision-making to feel a vote of confidence coming for the next year. We wanted these two guys gone. Now, he's done that. The question is, as everybody high-five slaps each other on the butt about these upgrades, is how big an upgrade are these? I think that is the huge question here, Andrew. Like, is And I think you do a pretty good job of staying neutral on this stuff. I try to stay neutral on this stuff. I think you and I both lean a little in in an opposite direction with Kevin. Mm. But I'm curious how firmly you think that this is an upgrade because people think this is an upgrade and this is the Browns win the offseason narrative that we get a lot and I'm not yeah. here to, to, to poo-poo that parade but like I think it's fair to wonder are they as big an upgrade as we think and I'm it could be and that's why I'm, I'm curious your opinion on it yeah I I think it's I think it's overall an upgrade um I think you know if you go back to the genesis of of both of those hires I mean uh, Mike Prefer came in with Freddie Kitchens, right? Um, and then Kevin, you know, knowing that they were friends, he decided to keep him. And you know, Joe Woods. I mean, you know, Stefanski was hired late in the cycle, the in in the you know the 2019-2020 off season, and and Woods, you know, was kind of his guy specifically because they, you know, they had some previous connections, and then you know uh, the Vikings got absolutely dominated by the 49ers defense in that uh, in that playoffs. Um, so, you know, they, they were hires that made sense at the time, but they weren't really the strongest hires, I think. And, 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 you know, Prefer had, had a mixed track record in 19 and, and mm-hmm. we've, we, you know, we kind of know how that's turned out. So I don't think either of those guys were like the strongest options at coordinator. And, and I mean, while we're on the subject of coordinators, I don't think Alex Van Pelt is the strongest offensive coordinator. Um, no, so he'd have been hired that, somewhere by now. Yeah, he, exactly. He so hired. yeah. I, I mean, he hasn't even gotten a sniff anywhere. Um, no. Uh, you know, and I, so I think, I think they are upgrades in terms of, 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 you know, what those, what those positions are in terms of the skill of the coaches. I, I think those, you know, I think Jim Schwartz is a better defensive coordinator. I think Bubba Ventron is a better special teams coordinator. But, you know, then I think the question is when you're building this, you know, the sort of the, the stew of what, you know, the season looks like next year. Uh, you know, I mean, it's the, it's the same thing we were saying all down the stretch of the season. It's not going to just be replacing Joe Woods. It's going to be figuring out how to build a defensive front. It's going to be figuring out how to get, uh, you know, somebody that can play uh, middle of the field safety, right? I mean, there are legitimate personnel questions on the defense as well. So I think the thing that Browns fans do reflexively is we celebrate because they didn't screw it up. And so, you know, this is an example of two times where they didn't screw it up. So we can celebrate that, but they need to continue to hit it at this level over the next few months. And then even if they get the personnel right and they get these coordinator hires right, even then with all of that said, 
as we have talked about on this podcast before, the number one thing is still going to be what goes on between Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson this offseason and how they hammer out what the offense is going to look like. Because all of this other stuff can be good, but if they're the 20th best offense in the league with his cap number and, and all they gave up to get him, the Browns aren't going anywhere. Spot on, man. Can't say it any better. I have no notes at the end of your <laughs> quote there. Like that is couldn't be better said, right? You can have the you can hire peak Wade Phillips. You can hire yep. the, you know um, John Harbaugh from his Philadelphia days as your special teams coordinator. And if your quarterback who's making a shit ton of money isn't playing anywhere near what he's supposed to be playing, whether that's his fault or the coach running the plays and in and out of the huddle, uh, you know that's his fault. That's the problem. That will yep. that will and, I, and again, I think if if they had peak quarterback play and and like best version of Deshaun Watson for seventeen games last year, they would have overcome some of those games that they they shouldn't have definitely uh, that, that they should have won that they lost. So good quarterback play, these miracle workers mask a lot of a lot of bad. Now the Browns are obviously hoping that they get that version of Deshaun back on top of having all their ducks in a row in these other ways. I get that. That's a that's appealing. It's awesome to think about, but we have to see that manifest itself offensively. And if it doesn't, then none of this matters. Right. right? None of it matters. So reeling it kind of back on course of the coaches. There's one more little part of this I want to hit on. I think that you and I have I think you and I have hit on this, whether it's been in Slack or we've done it publicly, I'm not sure. We've we've talked about like I have been pretty vocal that I I see a lot of organizations have these you know, these older coaches, like for example, perfectly, Jim Schwartz is a defensive assistant with the Titans. John Fox is, I think with the the Colts, uh, whether that was last year, like I was always yeah. kind of surprised Like Kubiak went back to be with Zimmer as an offensive assistant, mm-hmm. as a, a liaison. The Browns have really never had that. And the staff itself has always geared itself to be young. It's a lot of guys who are coming up out of the college ranks, you know, we're going to talk about a guy in a second uh, on defense. Ben Bloom, who's going to now take over the defensive line from run game coordinator uh, the, like Ben Bloom and Jeff Howard and, and like uh, Kiffin, um, not Kiffin. Sorry. Um, we'll see what they end up doing with Tarver. But those those were the few who had real NFL experience. So what was kind of bothering me is if you're not going to have those creative older minds come in and kind of guide you i always thought like hey man why can't zimmer come into cleveland and help out stefanski in some way shape or form or Mm -hmm. whatever um i guess my point here is if they're not going to do that i would really like them to get a bit more granular with their position coaches and what i mean by that is specified coaches so we have seen them hire a safeties coach whose last name is escaping me maybe you have that up in front of you right now Ephraim banda i think is his name Ephraim Banda, right? So he's the safeties coach. The Browns only had a group of secondary DB coach in Jeff Howard last year. Obviously not thought of well across the NFL or he would have taken over another group of DBs somewhere. He's now the linebackers coach out in L.A. So, okay, are they going to get a dedicated corners coach? And if they're going to get a dedicated corners coach, are they going to have somebody else come in and be the pass game coordinator defensively? Um I think that what I'm kind of getting at is I looked around, I answered some questions in the OBRs Ask the Insider today, a lot of really good special teams questions, like really great questions about how they work at the NFL level. And I looked at Indy last year with Ventrone. They had an assistant special teams uh, coordinator. The Browns didn't have that. So like, are they going to give him an assistant dedicated to whatever it is Ventrone seems to think is necessary, whether that's film study, 
preparation, on field work, whatever, you obviously benefit from more people. So like, I guess what I'm getting at is, are they going to be like, are they going to have an outside linebackers and inside linebackers coach, right? The, on the other mm-hmm. side of the ball, the thing that scares me more than anything is taking like Alex Van Pelt and reverting him back to the dual rule that he had a few years ago where he was the OC exactly. and quarterback coach or taking yep. O'Shea and moving O'Shea to quarterback coach and moving somebody else into the wide receiver role. Like I just, I want them, if they're not going to have some experienced older mind or two to come in and be an offensive or defensive special assistant or something, can they get guys who are a bit more specified and give the safeties more time, the corners more specific time, right? You look at it and you're like, well, this is this, is this why the special teams had constant miscommunication blunders or why the secondary couldn't get on the same page so often or the outside linebacker, inside linebacker dynamic. I think that that's, that's what I would like to see, especially hiring a quarterback coach. I know Deshaun mentioned on that pod, he went on with Quincy Avery that him and Kevin are going to do some, talking about that next week but like i just would like them to get very very specific in these roles if that makes sense like i think that they could benefit so much from guys hyper focused on a on a real position in a in in a very tight level beyond just the hey we have a running back coach or we have a secondary coach db's coach no we want these guys getting specialized attention so i guess i'm saying they should be doing more of that do you agree with that, or do you think that that's too many, um, you know, minds at the table? I don't know what. There's a good phrase for that, Andrew. I can't think of too many cooks in the chefs kitchen? in the kitchen. Cooks yeah. in the kitchen, right? Yeah. I, I'm just curious your thought on it. I like what I'm seeing so far. I hope it spreads over to offense. Is kind of my general point. Yeah, I think they could use. I think they could use another mind or two in the offensive side, in addition to you know the quarterbacks coach hire that they have to make, right? Um, Mm-hmm. And I, I think the I think the point you made about how much youth there is on the coaching staff is definitely something to, and I I just see I see a lot of similarities between the youth on the roster over the past few years and the youth on the coaching staff of, you know there 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 seems to be this this instinct within the Browns to like they they're it's almost the thing where they're running before they walk right where they're they're trying to develop a pipeline of coaches and it's like well guys nobody's going to want to hire your coaches if you're going seven and ten right so like the way you develop a pipeline is you win football games right and then the coaches that work there get other opportunities but you know you can hire all the 27 year old interns you want those guys aren't going to get jobs if your team isn't winning football games right so Mm -hmm. um it it feels like they i mean they they obviously are being very i think at the front office level and at the coaching staff level they're being conscious about um developing young people uh and and diversity i think they deserve a ton of credit for that right that they have you know they have intentionally gone out and brought um uh, minorities and women into their organization to cultivate different types of thinkers but it you know i think one area where it's broken down you know i and and to extend this this uh, comparison between the front office and the coaching staff you know they've they've had uh who was it? It was Ryan Grigson was a, was like a special assistant to the GM. And then he went to Minnesota with Quezzy last off season. And now it's Bob mm-hmm. Quinn. Who's kind of the older experienced guy in the room. There's not really that type of person on the, on the coaching staff, unless, I mean, I guess Bill Callahan would be the closest thing to it, but to your point about somebody like a Mike Zimmer or a Wade Phillips or a Gary Kubiak, or, I mean, there's a, there's a thousand different names that you could, you could name, 
that could just come in and kind of hang out. You know, I mean, there is that guy, Kevin Rogers, that I think was on building the Browns last year, who is another friend of Kevin's who I think is his, his main remit is coaching development. But, you know, one name that I just, I, I, I want to, you know, just mention this briefly in terms of different minds in the building. Um, I, I brought it up, I think probably only on Slack, but Scott Turner, you know, got fired as offensive coordinator in, in Washington. And he ended up as the pass game coordinator in uh, Las Vegas. And that's the sort of hire that it's like, okay, this, this is a guy that has run successful NFL offenses is great at designing like a downfield passing attack. That's, you know, that, that solves a problem, a specific problem that the Browns have had. And he's the sort of like, you know, uh, extra mind, extra, you know, spice in the soup that that could have really helped, I think. And and I think there's other examples of that. So I think your point about granularity is, is spot on, but I think ideally you could, you could really have some of both, right? You have some of the experience and then also, the level of specialization and, and try and f- like fuse those two things. Yeah, I think you could. I mean, that should be the goal is to find the best balance there. You can specified if it's a young coach, maybe not overwhelming them with a, an entire secondary, right. Or an entire linebacker right. group or an entire right. defensive line. Can you do some of that stuff to help offset? Maybe you couldn't get an experienced coach right away. I, I mean, I'm listen. I, I think we were all pretty paranoid about what they they that we they weren't moving on from prefer and 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 yeah we said yeah. some things about that decision and and they changed it now maybe um, here they they have a plan and some <laughs> things offensively they're going to do like just yeah. yesterday Sean yeah. Payton I don't know if you saw this where uh, um, a media member from from Denver had said something like you know it's time to panic there's only five confirmed coaches that they've gotten for this staff do they have and Sean Payton on Twitter uh, it's always dangerous when your head coach has a Twitter. Um, in the NFL yeah. level, but yeah. he said like, no, we have 16 and we have five left to go or something like that. Confirming things we didn't right. know. There could be stuff right. going on. We don't know. And I don't want to be like, this offense is going to be a failure. And, and I know that's not what you're doing either, but I think it's fair right. to be like, okay, well we'll give them some time, but I don't want to give them. I mean, it's, it's the combine. Like we're, we're getting up on next like, week. You got to make these decisions. We got to make, you got to make these decisions to have unified thought processes for the draft and, 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 and free agency and all of that. So I don't want to, I don't want them to be waiting forever, but I also understand that they could make some moves that, that do still right. Uh, have some sort of impact yep, this year, especially sure. offensively, for but sure. they haven't done anything offensively the way they have the other two coordinator positions and staffs within that make me feel a, a bit more optimistic. You know, I don't know. I mean, Ben Bloom's been around the NFL for a while. He's coached linebackers. He was with Dallas for a while. I think it's easy to point at him and laugh as the run game coordinator looking at what they did. <laughs> it is uh, easy. run it's defense easy. wise, but, but like, you know, the personnel for the run defense stuff is, no, has really sure. got to yeah. be considered. And yeah. I think yeah. Woods, I, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not reporting this, but from people that, that knew that situation, like there was some difference in opinion about how they were defending things. Just leave it at that. Like the way That's they were defending the run game uh, on top of like, how they were coupling their coverages with the run game and leading themselves, leaving themselves really vulnerable, uh, had some dissension in the defensive staff. So um, it could be a simple fix. Could be a simple fix, and we all think Ben Bloom is is great, and um, it all works out. But at this point, you know, between Ventrone, that hire, and the hire at uh, um, you know, Schwartz, and hoping that Schwartz can take his leadership and really bestow upon some of these younger guys the, the wisdom they need, the coaching techniques they need to be better. It's it's obvious that the defense and special teams are out in front of the offense where we just wanted to see some some moderate shakeup stuff offensively. And all they've done is lose people, right? Petzing's gone and potentially taking some names with him 
um, yeah. into some other, you know, other roles there. So again, we don't know enough. We'll see, but uh, the, 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 the skillet's getting hot, man. You're running out of time, running out of time. <laughs> so let's, let's see some of those changes. Uh, and I know the Browns haven't made anything official on any of this yet. They haven't posted anything and maybe it all comes in one gigantic press release. We'll see. But um, I still, I, I just feel like there's a lot of meat on the bone offensively to feel super comfortable about where they're going with this thing that we would like to see uh, at some point. We're going to switch over to um, the NFL. We always take one NFL topic and we're going to switch over and talk about that. Now we're going to do that right after the break. We will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, Andrew, it seems like what's going on with Baltimore and Lamar is getting kind of publicly ugly at this point. Like, it is Lamar's side reporting that they have uh, some counter offers in place. Baltimore, um, you know, being vocal that they are, they're trying. It's not, they're going to tag him one way or the other, going exclusive or yeah. non-exclusive tag him. He's not just going right. to walk, but like, I think we're really getting into the territory of like Lamar Jackson could be playing somewhere. Someone's going to pay him guaranteed money. He's pursuing more guaranteed money than Deshaun right on, man. You got a better resume. You should, you got an MVP, yep. do your thing. Somebody, if Baltimore doesn't want to pay it, somebody's going to pay it. That's the thing here that makes me laugh is like, you know, Warren Sharp's putting out his cap hit tweets and all these people who have been bagging on the Deshaun <laughs> thing. That's the closest thing will ever come. Now, like this with Lamar could be different, but it's the closest thing will ever come to a, a free agency sweepstakes for a prime career quarterback. Like that doesn't right. happen. That's what right. people do not understand. Free agency, you get offers, you get different things, and in, 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 it's like, 
it's different. And and like people want to bag on the Browns and I get it. It's fun. It's easy. But like, like this is what it looks. If you put prime quarterbacks on the market, teams are going to make banana offers to these guys. Like it's yes. going to be crazy. Yes. And, yes. and Lamar or sorry, Deshaun is a great, good and had a great run. I still think there's greatness there for him, but he is not like, just because he got paid two is not like the Browns saying he's better than Mahomes. It's just what they had to do to close the deal. So if right. Lamar gets out there and actually gets a non-exclusive situation where he can pursue an offer sheet from somebody, someone's going to offer him 250 to 270 guaranteed and get it done. It's just how it's going to go. And it's like, I think we're, we're really getting into the possibility of not having to see Lamar in this division. And, I got to say, I'm pretty damn excited about that, man. I felt pretty confident that this was at least going to, like, there's no knowing where it goes, right? Because obviously Baltimore can turn on a dime at any point and, and, you know, if, if they offer him what he wants, he's going to, he's going to take it. Right. I mean, he, you know, they have the, the incumbent advantage of being the place that he's played and the place that he won that MVP and he's comfortable there and, you know, they, they have a good team around him. So like if they change their tune, he'll resign and, and, and it'll, you know, and then everybody in, in, in on Twitter, you know, it'll be uh, the classic, Oh yeah, the, he was never going anywhere. You know, that whole thing where everybody pretends to be smarter than everybody else. Um, but, but as, as you know, as the season progressed and Lamar, Lamar's frustration grew more and more public, right. Even before the injury, it's it's very clear that he expected and thought that he deserved to get paid before the season, and I don't think he's wrong about that. By the way, uh, but that that clearly is is the expectation that he was he was holding, and that's where he thought this was going to go. Like Watson got his reset the market, and and now that gives him as we're acting as his own agent. That gives him a very clear platform to like give me ten to twenty million dollars more guaranteed than. Watson and we're good. And I think he was, he thought he was going to get that deal done in July or August. And I think the, you know, the, the realization that, you know, he's going out there and putting his body on the line every week for a, a team that, you know, he's almost out of contract with, uh, really wore on him. And I think the pressure to prove that he was good enough for, to, to earn that contract wore on him. And then the injury happened. And it, you know, at that point, you've got to, if you are a player, who is, you know, on your final year of your contract, you have to take care of yourself. So then, you know, all of a sudden he's not playing in a playoff game. And and now we're here where it's getting more public and more acrimonious than I think anybody would have expected Baltimore would let it get, which I think, you know, to your point, really shows that they're not as in control of the situation as we would have assumed that they would be. Yeah, and it's it's getting weirder by the day where people are pulling up older pieces of like tweets and and yeah. uh, thought processes. The Ravens never give in to these things, and it's similar with Pittsburgh with these old school organizations where they think they're above these exactly. players and paying them. And it's and right. now Pittsburgh has caved a little bit on the Watt and some of the other things. I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that as we approach the midnight striking. In, in March that they do find a way to come up with a deal. So I don't think this is in any way a done deal where he's out, but like it is trending toward him being out. Now they can get a haul. They can get a trade haul for him. Uh, if they want to yeah. do this, it could get kind of sure. crazy sweepstakes stuff here. Uh, but, but yeah, man, it's, it's moving in a weird way to your point. I do think he wanted to get paid. It's a, it's an experiment on no agent 
all the things tied to the no agent situation, which a lot, again, a lot of people want to blame the no agent stuff. Like, Hey man, if Lamar was telling an agent, I'm not doing this unless I get, it would still be the same. It would be better back channeling and different conversations, but it would still largely be the same. He wants what he wants, right? Like he wants what he wants. And I think the funniest thing, um, with that situation is people are like seeing these mock drafts where the Ravens are trading up for like CJ Stroud or somebody. And it's like, Oh my God, a nightmare CJ Stroud ending up in Baltimore. I could never. And it's like, Hey man, you know what the freaking thing is about CJ Stroud being in Baltimore is that Lamar Jackson isn't there anymore. And that's, that's a great outcome because he's, I'm so tired of playing him. He's so good. He makes you play a He's the, he's the singular version of what Navy is. And in in those teams that matter with the triple option, he makes you defend in a way you don't defend anyone else. And you have to do that twice a year and you have to find a way to get past him to win the division. And man, it's like, okay, yeah, send CJ Stroud there, who I think is going to be a nice quarterback. It's not going to be Lamar Jackson, you know? So right. it's like, I, I don't care what they do. Like if if it if it's Lamar leaving, they can go get whoever they want. I I do not I do not care, man. Like, it oh, just, no, for sure. That yeah. I, again, yeah. like selfishly to me is, is, is Definitely. just a, it's a funny thing that I yeah. keep seeing. Cause someone coming like going, I'm at it about, you know, I, I'm like, Hey man, that outcome no. you just laid out is Lamar Jackson not being here. And that is a great right. outcome. Well, and I think that like, I mean, to, to your first point about, you know, the, some of these franchises not being willing to, to pay guys, you know, part of it is that at a certain point when you're successful year after year, there has to be a little bit of complacency that kicks in, right? Where, you know, you think that it's the helmet, you know, or the building or something, and it's, you know, not the players. And the reason the Ravens have been good, you know, and competitive for the past three or four or five years is because of Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, they, they you know, eked their way into the playoffs and 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 went out in the first round this year with with half a year of Tyler Huntley but the reason that the team has been good Pro Bowl Tyler Huntley have... correct yourself correct. Pro Bowl <laughs> Tyler Huntley. Yeah Amazing. exactly yeah. <laughs> right Pro Bowl flag football hero Tyler Huntley um that that you know the the that team when they have been at their best it has been because Lamar Jackson has been the best player on the football field so and I don't want to see him paired up your spot. I don't want to see him paired up with Todd Monken. He has been held back. Exactly. In my opinion. Exactly. By personnel choices around him where the Rashad Absolutely. Baker thing didn't pan out. They traded Hollywood. They've been holding him back between yep. Roman and the personnel decisions they've made as far as pass catchers go. So to get Todd Monken with him on top of maybe figuring out a receiver to go with him in free agency and the draft is the worst possible outcome that I remain fearful of. Because maybe oh, sure. Monken gets his into his ear and they figure it out and they get a contract done. And that's not going to be fun. If it, I'm telling no. you, if it comes to fruition no. that he gets with Monken and they work it out and they and they draft and, and, and sign or potentially as we're still early in this and there's always a mood swinging wide receiver, a trade could happen. That's yeah. the terrible outcome. So any outcome Hopkins, for me that Hopkins would, and Lamar, yeah, um, yeah, that would be a great outcome <laughs> for them. I do think he's still pretty good at football, so mm-hmm. I don't want to have to face him. Uh, is the moral of the story there? But like, that's correct. I just, uh, I just, I, I think when I look at this as I'm watching him from afar, and I'm not doing the the Doctor Evil smile chuckle thing where you're like, you know, the Browns no. did this to everybody, and look what they're doing. No. And I'm not doing that. Like, I, I mean, it's kind of like kind of a nice little side piece to it where you're watching you know a Lamar thing potentially blow up because of it and you're also watching uh we'll see what happens with Joe Burrow uh Mm -hmm. but but yeah I mean those parts of it are kind of nice but um 
you know, what the biggest thing that I'm just, I'm fascinated with good players being out of this division. Like that to me mm-hmm. is the most important thing because that leads to winning the division for the first time. And I don't know, however many years it's been now. It's like 153. I was born in 89. A lot. It's a lot of years, man. So yeah, I, I just, the Lamar thing is weird. It's the biggest storyline in the NFL right now. And I think it will be until we get combine information and, and free agency. And yeah, I just dream, I just dream of a world where he's not a problem to us anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like it's not, I'm not celebrating or laughing about it yet because nothing's finished. But when that trade breaks on, you know, March 14th or whatever, and he goes to Atlanta for three draft picks, and and they sign him to a two hundred and seventy million dollar guaranteed contract, and you know, and the, and the Ravens are trying to talk up, you know, bringing in Jacoby Brissett for a year. Then we are legitimately celebrating, like truly, because now it now it's really Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson, and then two question marks, and the two question marks being in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. When is the last time that that's been the case? I mean. It's been a long time. I need the Steelers to keep toiling away with the uh, with the Kenny Pickett stuff, man. Oh, I need yeah. them to keep considering oh, yeah. whether he's actually a decent quarterback or not. That's that's pretty imperative uh, for all. Mm-hmm. So, all right, man, that's everything. Uh, good pod. A lot of uh, Browns discourse, and hopefully, we continue to see the demise of this Lamar Jackson Baltimore Ravens uh, relationship. That'd be pretty great. But yeah, man, good stuff. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know this, and um, anytime we can get you into the show, Andrew, I always. Uh, Always enjoy it, buddy. Glad to be here, Jake. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. All right, guys. Uh, that's that's going to be it for today. We'll have a hopefully get up. I'm 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 hoping to get Dane Brugler on uh, interview done uh, midday tomorrow and have that up over the weekend for you. If not over the weekend, up Monday, you will definitely get a mock draft and things I think I know about the Browns from your weekend that you traditionally are getting. That will be up and uh, we'll have four mocks over the weekend, um, some continuing looking at free agents that are out there and rating them the OBR's probability scale for all the categories and whether we think the Browns are going to actually end up signing these guys. So a lot of great stuff continuing to go on. It's about to hit the most fun stretch of the offseason, combine into free agency, into pro days, and the draft will be here before we know it. So hopefully you're enjoying uh, what you get from these episodes of franchise mode always open to suggestions at at the obr hit up myself or andrew and ati or just dm us we are we are always open to talk about topics that you guys want us to hit on uh, in any way shape or form so yeah let us know we'll continue to to look around the league continue to tie it into the browns and do all that on a on a regular friday basis for you so for andrew for me for the obr we appreciate you guys being here we appreciate you supporting us have a great friday we'll go browns Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.